You're listening to The Interview. In-depth retailer interviews with inspirational people. Hosted by Ben Bland. Brought to you by The Retail Exchange. In association with Retail Focus magazine and Visual Thinking. Inspiring retail performance. As the countdown to Christmas begins, in this episode of The Interview, we're talking toys. Lego is one of the most recognised toy brands in the world. Joining me to talk about the brand's rich heritage, the latest retail innovations, as well as her own colourful career, is Simone Sweeney, the Vice President of Retail Development for Lego Group. Simone, it's really good to have you with us. There is a lot of talk around about delivering an experience in physical stores for customers, something that's guaranteed to inspire, uh, to engage, to entertain. What do you think is the most important element of getting that right? The key to having a truly exceptional retail experience is understanding why someone is perhaps in the store in the first place and then trying to cater to that experience. Shopping can be a very individual thing. Um, some people are motivated by convenience. Others are motivated by um, just the, the, you know, the, the random five minutes that they may have in the day. Others are there for a very specific need state. In the case of Lego, we'll often have people coming in looking to find that perfect birthday present for you know, Freddie, who might be turning nine years old. Um, So for us, it's absolutely critical to understand why someone is in the store and then really ensure that they're having a fantastic um, result from that. Um, It could be fun. It could be convenience. It could be having the right um, support from the staff as they're they're shopping to find that exact right set, or just really, you know, helping them to experience the wonder of playing with these little plastic bricks. Uh, Of course, for Lego, your consumers are not necessarily your customers, although there there are some who, who would fall into both categories. There are. But largely, you are trying to, I suppose, create an experience for young children in the stores. But how do you do that while also making sure that the parents who are ultimately going to be buying the products are not sitting there disengaged, basically using it as a free crash. Yeah, absolutely. We do sometimes have um, parentless children wandering around in the stores. <laughs> um, for us, it's about ensuring that it's it's a really fun experience. And it shouldn't matter if, you know, you're, you're 4 or 44 or 84. Um, the, the store is really focused behind giving you that experience regardless of why you're there and, and who you are. Um, we do really like to get people involved in play. There's a lot of hands-on building activities in store. There's events that um, you can schedule yourself into or just you know, drop in for some, some kind of general building fun. And we really focus and work with our store teams to ensure that they're kind of fun activators. They're there as kind of these play ambassadors. So they're very, very much trained and, and genuinely very engaged and delighted to be kind of getting hands-on um, with the various consumers and shoppers who are in the store at the time. Um, so we try and kind of get down to the level. So if the kids are playing, we have our um, an experience behind Duplo, which is the preschool brick-based toy from Lego, where um, it's designed sp- specifically for toddlers. Um, you will find that the parents of the toddlers will really get down and play because they're used to, to sitting down on the floor with them, getting really hands-on, where the older shoppers um, or those with older children may not necessarily be as attentive to what's happening with the bricks versus what's on their phones. What we try and do is really engage them in that that play. So, you know, let's say the child's building a fire truck, then we'll, you know, get mum or dad or, or granny to get, sit down and, and build as well. We'll look for opportunities. And we we see also in a lot of our developed markets, 
um, that um, Lego is a toy that one, two, three generations have played with. So there is this huge kind of feeling of nostalgia. And you'll definitely see, you know, that the dad's getting down and playing with Star Wars or the grand- grandparents getting involved. So, you know, looking out for that key experience and seeing what really resonates with with the people in store at the time and then developing an experience for them um, is a great way of just having that differentiated experience. And what have you seen other brands do that you have then thought, we need to do that, or I wish I'd thought of that? There's so many great examples from retail at the moment. Um, there's a lot of fantastic personalization happening right now. Um, Primark's just just launched um, a customization shirt experience. Uh, those are really strong because what that takes is a kind of a core offering that's accessible to everyone. Everyone wears a t-shirt at some point in their lives, but then it makes it unique to them. And that is a really compelling offer. And it's being executed by lots of different people in lots of different ways. You know, it started with, with um, things like a engraving and monogramming, and now it's gone to kind of screen printing and embroidery. Uh, And that as just as a trend, you know, it doesn't really matter what you're doing and how you're doing it, but what it does is it lets you put that unique stamp on it. For us, we're looking at ways that we can, you know, we can personalize the bricks, we can print on them. We've just piloted that in in two of our stores, one in China, one in the US, um, to fantastic success. I just wonder what it is that makes that then an experience because customization has been around for decades. Yeah. As a kid, I remember getting a pen with the name carved into it with, you know, it was done in front of me and I thought it was the most amazing thing. The concept of personalization isn't new. So what is it that then makes that an experience that stands out for customers when they come into store? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, if you think back to the experiences when when we were perhaps small and, and customized, you know, I used to think it was the coolest thing to get your nameplate, and my name was never on anything unless I was in France. Um, <laughs> you know what you the, the joys of having a unique name. Um, the you know what's what's different now is that um, you can customize it with with any number of things and quickly. Um, that's that's a major value add. You know you used to have to go into a store and and you know put your order in and maybe come back the next day or have it posted to you. Um, we can, with 3D printing technology, um, with uh, with different kind of techniques, engravings, et cetera, you can do it right then and there. So you have, I think, that immediacy, which is perhaps different from, um, you know, days gone by. But um, I think the, the range of creativity and then the showcasing of it appeals. There is much broader reach when you can take a selfie of yourself with your, um, obviously, with your newly personalized um, Lego brick or your your custom t-shirt, and then put it on Instagram, Facebook, tweet it, etc. And that kind of, um, that impact also starts trends. So I think that is, is really resonant and relevant these days. It's interesting you mentioned the social media aspect. One of the biggest pub chains in the UK, JD Weatherspoon, announced it was going to drop all of it is going to close all of its social media accounts across mm. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, saying instead it wanted its its staff to focus on giving people a really good experience when they were there physically, face to face, rather than worrying about all of this stuff around it. Do you think they are uh, an outlier? Do you think that that is a strategy that is doomed to failure? Or do you think they could be the first ones who've latched onto something that other retailers, whichever bit of retail they're in, will eventually think, yeah, do you know what? We have become too obsessed with social media and we need to concentrate back on the core of people having a really good experience in the store. 
I think they're probably not the first and they won't be the last. Um, social is time consuming and it needs to be relevant. And if it's not relevant, it's it's rather pointless because then it, it is just noise. And this is this is a debate I've had in a number of, of different companies, um, you know, and something you need to be mindful of. I think if you can connect it to your core proposition or enhance what you are trying to deliver, then it absolutely serves a, serves a purpose. Um, for us at Lego, um, we are not actively marketing to children, um, but we, of course, um, realize the importance of, of digital. We have a, a really strong digital community. We're doing a really, uh, really fantastic initiatives like Lego Life, which is a, a social platform for kids to share their builds, to get inspiration. Um, and that is massively relevant. But what we see, you know, in, in retail is that um, it's a great way to extend our reach. We have a number of augmented reality solutions, kind of app-based um, images where you can come down and sit down on a bench with the Lego Friends characters. And, you know, the squirrel kind of hops across the screen and the butterflies in the mm. past. You can send a photo of yourself or share it on social media with, you know, Ray from Star Wars as a minifigure. Um, and those are a great way to extend that proposition that is specific to the store, but um, takes, you know, takes the reach of the store beyond the confines of this, this single store and this single community location. So it is it's relevant when it has a connection. Mm. Um, and certainly to activate kind of e-commerce and to focus on omni-channel solutions further, it is absolutely critical. But just posting, you know, as you were saying earlier, um, uh, you fish and chip Friday, you fishy Friday, isn't compelling. So it definitely plays a role, but you need to find out what that role needs to be for you and use it to that point. Before you were at Lego, you were the marketing director for Europe, Middle East and Africa for Apple. Retail, yes. What took you from tech to toys? It's quite a, a quite a different different proposition, isn't it? Yeah, it was after 17 years in, in, in telecoms and tech to, to move over to little plastic bricks. Um, and I think um, one of one of the, the main you know, motivations for me was similar values um, behind the companies. You know, both both have a really great understanding of their their product and um, what's what's vital to kind of ensuring that proposition. Is, is there anything you could do at one that you uh, feel very restricted or felt restricted at the other? Is their approach very different? The, the approach is it, it, it is different in in many respects, but what is very similar at both Apple and and Lego is understanding the the customer, the consumer, and what they are hoping to achieve, um, and what they would like from from their brand, their experience, their product, and then delivering behind that. I think that's that's very uniform. Um, but they are they are different in their approach. You know, Apple is arguably the world's most successful um, company and brand, um, a technology powerhouse. Where Lego is a family-owned business, um, which has um, play in the development of children really at its absolute heart. And you know, we go about things differently at one versus the other. Um, what Lego has been really successful at doing is keeping that play at heart, and that's what absolutely attracted it to me. I have two small kids myself. They were absolutely delighted to find out that mommy was going to be working um, <laughs> at Lego. I, I hoped it would help me deliver or develop a strategy to not injure myself when I stepped on them around the house. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it, it was was the right the right move at the right time. But what really appealed to me about Lego was this, this sense of fun, this deep kind of focus and respect for the importance of creativity, imagination and, and play. And do you road test any of the ideas on, on the kids at home? 
Um, the kids road test things on me, oh, it right. seems, but um, <laughs> we, we definitely, we do a lot of building. I was fairly hopeless at, at building things that were beyond the kind of conventional house. And it's really helped me kind of to look at things in their eyes and from, we do a lot of community um, and engagement activities within uh, within Lego. Uh, we play a lot. There's bricks in all of our meeting rooms. Um, we do a lot of play, you know, in, in meetings and in sessions. Um, and it kind of really helps you to learn to unleash your imagination. You were, were used to kind of seeing something and digesting it in a way. And one of the sessions that, um, that a colleague of mine did earlier, he asked everyone to build a little duck. And let's say there were 200 people in the room. There were probably 200 different ducks. Every duck is different. All of them are a duck and you recognize this duck, but the, the kind of internalization, um, your, the way you digest, you build that duck is unique. And that is what's really exciting about it. When it comes to getting your ideas, where does your inspiration come from? What do you do to sort of clear your mind of the day-to-day nitty-gritty and give yourself some space to think and be creative? That's a great question. Inspiration comes from everywhere, doesn't it? Um, we we do a number of things to try and kind of, let's say, activate it. You know, whenever we get together, um, you know, with myself and my retail development team, we will usually do some play activities. We always do play activities. We will do brainstorming. Um, we're always kind of looking to the future and thinking um, what, what could happen next. Um, so we do try and create the space in our kind of day-to-day work um, work life and our, our agendas, we kind of diarize, you know, imagination, oh. which, which sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but, you know, we try and at least create the space for us to talk and to, to kind of uh, bounce ideas off of each other. And that that's great because when you have a mix of nationalities and experience bases and, and people in the room of, of, of all backgrounds, um, you, you often will go in quite a different direction. So, you know, we, we do that. So kind of the more business-like, um, you know, innovation brainstorming. We also do take a lot of inspiration from the product design process. Um, we look also to the feedback we're getting from um, the store teams because they see what's, what's kind of coming in what's um, what's needed. Um, we also look to other industries. You know, there are some really cool things happening in, in other um, areas like apparel footwear is a big one um, for us. Um, any kind of you know, food and beverage, hospitality. So we kind of look and see what's happening. Often, you know, someone will have gone on holiday and had this incredible experience or, you know, had a great or a terrible experience out for dinner one day. And, you know, we'll, we will talk about that in your kind of general day to day. And it usually leads to ideas because we're, we're thinking of ways to be an innovative retailer as well as ways to be an innovative seller of toys. So we are, are constantly on the lookout and, and inspiration strikes from all sorts of ideas. And a lot of ideas aren't, aren't necessarily new. We've some seen some kind of version of this before, and now we have the technology to kind of bring it to life and, and activate it um, more quickly. Our first version of Endless Isle, which is in our stores now, isn't actually shoppable. You can see the entire product catalog and it was just images and a brief descri- description. We've added reviews, we're adding um, um, videos, we're adding building instructions, um, we're adding a kid section because um, many of the kids are too short to see, um, you know, some of the content. So there's like, the, it's almost like a split pane, the the, the adult version and the kids. Um, and and soon we hope it will be shoppable. Um, and so, you know, we, we take what we've done, we learn from it, and then we kind of move on. So it's really coming at us from all, from all sides. And we've got a lot of partners and, and uh, you know, our agencies and our, our vendors and um, our, our landlords and retail partners around the world come up with great ideas. 
When you look at the big names you've worked for, as you say, one of the most successful, if not the most successful technology brand, Apple Retail, one of the most iconic toy brands, Lego. What do you want to do next? Are there any brands that you look at and you think, what they're doing is really exciting. I would love to be part of that. Or or conversely, where you think, do you know, there is so much potential, but they are just not getting it right or, or any other reason. That, that's that's a really tricky question. I am I am genuinely so excited at the the journey that I'm on um, at Lego and what's coming with our business. We've celebrated our 85th anniversary recently, so you know 100 is is coming, um, and that uh, you know what we'll be able to do in that space because the way that, that um, play is developing and you know children used to have much more free time, they don't anymore. And I think the the aspect of of child development and the kind of play Place in the community for for play and fun um, is something that does absolutely attract me. You know, Lego has um, does a lot of outreach programs with with schools, with um, charitable organizations, youth groups. Um, you know, did um, a bit of, of relief around some of the, the kind of latest global disasters to just kind of add that spark of joy. And I think you know, if I was to to head in any direction, it would be trying to pull some of those aspects out. And I'd love to keep doing so with Lego because it's it. it it is a kind of a power for good rather than a con- just a consumer product. Absolutely, we sell plastic bricks. We're a company. We need to make money. We want the brand to be strong. But um, there is such a focus on development and engagement and joy that it's a really exciting thing. So I think the next one for me would probably be something that would be more charitable or, or kind of community giving based. And that would be as a result of the switch within within Lego. And I was very fortunate for my time at Apple and before that at Motorola, um, where there was, again, this deep sense of community and, and and what that product and what this big brand could do for good and did some great work with product um, Red, which was supporting HIV, still is, and the Global Fund. And that's really compelling. So, you know, those are something that I've kind of carried in my career. But at Lego, I'm starting to hopefully find more opportunities to, to support that. And, and the stores are a great way to do it. Everyone we have is at the heart of a community. Um, and even the digital, you know, our e-commerce platforms are at the heart of a, a global digital community. So it's it's a great way just to connect and and to foster um, you know community behind a common purpose and and sense of fun really. Just looking at the retail industry on a on a broader level, high street just does not have the footfall that it once had. Even big established names like Toys R Us, for example, going into administration. What do you see as the future? of retail, do you think it can survive in the way that we have it now? Or in 10, 15 years, will it have changed so fundamentally? Will there be a a much bigger shift away from high street and and physical stores? or, Or do you think they still have a part to play? I personally feel they have a part to play. What that part um, is, is likely where the the point of evolution is absolutely going to be. Um, if you think of um, of a lot of the retailers who are who are failing now, um, you you perhaps could level the um, the statement that they haven't necessarily kept with the times, or that they had expanded to a point where it was not possible for them to be agile and dynamic to to adapt to those times. Um, um, the there's no doubt that the face of retail and the kind of the need for retail is is changing, and it's about understanding what that role should be. I think that will be the key for many retailers to succeed going forward. Um, you know, for for a lot of brands, it could be that the bricks and mortar um, stores really become 
showcases. Um, you know, they're they're a place of of exhibition and engagement and kind of um, uh, you know the, the tactile or kind of more sensory experience. There are a lot of things that you don't want to to buy without trying or or seeing, um, and how you activate that will be important. But then having that interconnect with the the elements that are motivating people to stop shopping on the high street like convenience, um, price competitiveness, um, breadth of choice are, you know, are absolutely factors which cannot be ignored. You must relate to those and, and adapt. So I think that, um, you know, omni-channel retailing, um, absolutely will continue to, to be a core, um, driver for retail innovation, but the, the place of the physical kind of showroom or store, isn't likely over. Um, it will probably contract and then expand again, but people do like to get hands-on. Um, and, you know, maybe there's different formats of doing that and it's just being flexible, I think, which will be the key for many of us to kind of succeed or to weather the storm over the coming years as we see more closures around the world. Simone, thank you very much indeed. And in particular for introducing us to a term that I have not come across before in any of the podcasts, which is diarising creativity. I think that's one, <laughs> that is a takeaway if ever I heard one. Um, Simone Sweeney um, from Lego Group, uh, Vice President of Retail Development. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange Podcast. Subscribe online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate on Twitter. Hashtag Retail Exchange. This episode is brought to you by retail transformation agency Visual Thinking in association with Retail Focus magazine. Thanks for listening.